Good morning. Oh, I better grab my notes. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. It's great to gather together, isn't it? I'm so excited about today's sermon. I've got so much to go through. I've got 13 pages of notes. So I should get you out of here about 4 p.m., okay? Just stick with me here. Did you bring lunch? Bring lunch, you good with that, all right? No, last week we started our new sermon series called Thriving in a Corrupt Culture. And Joe, Pastor Joe, kicked us off. He gave us a little bit of history about, you know, before the scriptural history, before Daniel, what was going on, the Exodus. He went through all that stuff. Then he talked about um, the exile, how God's people were exiled to Babylon. And so we're kind of picking up the story where uh, Daniel and a couple of his buddies were taken uh, they were in the king's court. Some really horrific things happened to them when they were there. And, uh, but anyways, they're serving in the king's court. And it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak and Benny, for all my VeggieTales fans out there. Right, Rakshak and Benny? So um, anyways, this week, uh, this week we are going to be talking about a dream. And this is no ordinary dream. This is a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and it kept him up at night. In fact, he was having a hard time during the day. It was, it was like a harassing dream. It was something he couldn't get out of his mind. Anybody here ever had one of those pizza dreams? I mean, maybe you ordered that Giordano's, you know, deep dish, everything on it, sardines, pizza type thing, and you had just a crazy night's dream. Well, Nebuchadnezzar has a crazy dream, but it's not a pizza dream. It's a God dream. And we're going to find out that God gives him this dream to move him and to capture him and to show him who he is in a real, real powerful way. So I'm really excited to share with you. We've got so much to go through here. So let's pray before we read our text this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look into what you have for us and look at history and, and see your hand at work in miraculous ways. God, we thank you that you never change, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we open your word and we see your working through Daniel, and we see your working in Babylon, God, we pray that you would reveal truth to us, that your truth would shine through, that it would take root in our hearts and in our lives, and that it would change us. God, that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in. God, we pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have a ton of Scripture. This is one of the longest chapters in Daniel. So I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture here. It's going to tell us the story, or at least start to tell us the story of what's going on. So follow along with me in your Bibles. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. If you don't have an ESV and you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen behind me too. You can follow along that way. Let's go. Here we go. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, had dreams. His spirit was troubled. And his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. He had his own little Hogwarts going on there, didn't he? So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. Okay, let's stop right there for just a second. He's like, tell me my dream. I'm not going to tell you my dream so you can interpret it. 
I want you to tell me the dream that I had. And if you can't do this, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. We are getting a little bit of picture of what kind of guy Nebuchadnezzar was, all right? And this is something we really need to keep in mind as we think about thriving in a corrupt culture. You know, Daniel and, and his buddies weren't in a nice place. I mean, when they were brought to the king's, the king's temple, he, you could not, okay, they were, they were castrated. They were put as eunuchs. They were brainwashed for three years in the school of Nebuchadnezzar, in the school at Hogwarts, we'll call it Hogwarts, Nebuchadnezzar's own little Hogwarts to, to train them up, brainwash them in their ways. I mean, this, is, this guy is a tyrant. He is not a nice guy. Tell me my dream, or I'm going to rip you limb from limb. And not just that, let's pick it up here again, verse 5, the end of verse 5, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. It's either death or those things. Okay, great. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. There's a little history there with the Chaldeans, isn't there? There's magicians and sorcerers. Sounds like there's a little history there. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magicians or enchanters or Chaldeans. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, lower g, lowercase g, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. He's going to rip them limb from limb. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Now, you might want to underline verse 16. That is, that is a statement of statements, man. We're going to come back to that and look at that. That is something else. Then in verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven, capital G, concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, we heard this already, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give you thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. All right, a ton of stuff going on right there. Really cool things just happened. 
The first thing I want to point out about, though, is the first fill-in in your notes. As you came in, you should have received a program, and there's a few fill-ins that you can follow along with. The first one is this. In a corrupt culture, don't go alone. Daniel doesn't go alone. What's the first thing that he does? Daniel goes to his buddies. He wasn't alone when times got tough. He went to them and he said, man, we got to go to God together. We got to go to God together. It was in verse 17. He went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Daniel knew that in Babylon, you don't go it alone. It was a hostile environment and he needed friends. There's real wisdom in that, isn't there? There's real wisdom in that. That we got to have those, those close friends to walk alongside us, Right? Think about that for a second. Did you know that Jesus did the same thing? Jesus, the creator of the universe, I mean, when, it, when life really got tough for Jesus, he didn't go to the 12 disciples and invite them all to go to the garden and pray with him in the garden of Gethsemane. He took three. He took his three closest and said, hey guys, man, this is weighing really heavy upon me. This is where life is getting really hard. This is where I'm going to come face to face with what I have come to do. I mean, is, this is it. Can you guys stay awake with me and, and pray? We all know how that story went, right? They fell asleep twice. He wakes them up, you know. But Jesus did the same thing. He modeled it for us. Who, who are your buddies? Who are your companions? Who are you walking through life with? Can you think of who they are? This is so important for us. This is, probably, this is one of the core values we have here at Mission View Church. We believe that God intends and created us to live out our lives in relationship with one another. We believe that as you read through the New Testament, that there's this, this phrase that you can't get away from, and it's called one another. It's just over and over and again, it's one another, love one another, serve one another. All these one another's, there's this underlying expectation that God has for us that we as a Christian people would do life together in vulnerable, honest relationship. Not surfacey, hey, how's the weather today relationship, but vulnerable, vulnerable real, accountable relationships so that when life gets tough, like it is for Daniel right here, we actually have somebody, hey man, you guys, you're my community group guys, be like, Pat, Dave, Kenny man, this is crazy what's going on right now. I'm stressed out. I'm freaking out. Man, can we just pray together, right? We got to have people in our lives like that. If we're going to thrive in a corrupt culture, we have to have people in our lives like that. I cannot help but see the parallels of what was going on in Babylon and what's going on in our world right now. Think about it. Daniel's taken into exile, into captivity. He's a slave. What's the first thing they do is they change his name. <laughs> and then they, they throw him into a three-year school and get brainwashed to the University of Babylon. We do the same thing today. The other thing that we see that Daniel did, and Joe pointed this out last week, and we're going to repeat it over and over and over again, is that Daniel trusted God. He trusted that God will make a way. Okay, I told you underline verse 16, right? This is where we're going to talk about it. One of 
the craziest things about this part of the story, follow me on this, is that Daniel asked for time with the king before he had the interpretation of the dream. What? Like, dude is tearing people limb from limb. He's sending out the captain of his guards. He's going to kill everyone. This is a tyrant. This is like one of the worst guys ever. And Daniel's like, this is my opportunity. Woohoo! Give me, give me some time with the king. Are you crazy? What if God doesn't answer you? Right? What if, what if, what if the king would have just been like, all right, come right in. And he doesn't have time to go Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Daniel had like this amazing trust in God. He didn't look at this as like, oh, I'm going to die. He looked like, this is my opportunity. I mean, this is, this is a mountain that man can't climb. This is something that humanity can't do. This is, this is something so far beyond any type of magician or made-up thing that any person could do. Only God can do that. This is, this is God's opportunity. This is God's opportunity to show Nebuchadnezzar who he is. You know how Daniel spelled faith? R-I-S-K. Daniel spelled faith R-I-S-K. And here's what that stands for. He remembered who God was. The R is he remembered who God was. The I is he invited his friends along to seek S, seek God's guidance. And he knew that God was going to direct their path. He knew that God would be God in his situation. That's how Daniel spelled faith. That's how Daniel spelled trust. He remembered who God was. He invited his friends along. He seeked God's guidance, and he knew that God would direct his path. You know what, church? I think we need to be a little bit more like Daniel today. We need to to look at those situations in our life that look impossible, that feel like is really, really difficult. And I don't know what your situation is or what's going on in your life. Maybe, maybe it's at work and, and your boss is asking you to do things that maybe, maybe you shouldn't do. Or maybe it's at school and your, your friends are doing things or inviting you in to do things that you know you shouldn't do. We have to be a people that are willing to take risks, to step out in faith. Maybe it's not even somebody asking you to do something sinful. Maybe you've been in your safe little, comfortable little bubble, and you're enjoying this alone time, right? And you're just coming to church, and you're showing up on Sunday mornings, and you're checking the box. That's not Christianity. Maybe your faith, R-I-S-K, Maybe that risk is is stepping into what God is moving on your heart to do. Maybe it's recognizing the gifts that he's given you, like we talked about in 1 Corinthians, knowing that he has gifted you for a purpose and for a reason for right now and right here. Maybe it's taking the risk and stepping out and just saying, all right, God, use me, I'm going to do it. I'll do what you've asked me to do. If we are going to thrive in a corrupt culture, we are going to have to take risks. There's one amen with that one, right? Because, <laughs> right? man, who wants to take risks? I'm like, we don't want to take risks. I don't want to take a risk. I mean, it could end badly. 
Well, let me just say, it could end badly. <laughs> but God has a plan. God uses all things. He works all things together for good for those called according to his purposes. That means that even when we think things are ending badly, God's got a plan. Now, we're going to see that through, I mean, today we're going to look at Daniel and be like, oh my gosh, Dan, you know, God provides. He does everything. Woohoo! Don't forget the lion's den. Don't forget the fiery furnace, right? Like, it doesn't always end well, and we have to be okay with that because God's still God. When things are rainbows and unicorns and when they're tornadoes and pterodactyls, God is still God. And Daniel remembered that. Let's pick it back up in verse 24. Therefore Daniel went into Ariach, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Ariach brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I, I, can, I can almost hear how Ariach said this, I have found among the exiles from Judah, a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. I, I hear him in that, and I know I'm reading into the text, it's okay. You know, I, I could just hear him like patting himself on the back as he's saying this. You know, he's saying, he's saying this to the king. Let's just remember that as we go through this. Then the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You might want to underline that. I love that, I love that phrase. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Ooh, get a little insight into what this dream's all about. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this, the future. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. All right, here's what I, your next fill-in for this section is this. In a corrupt culture, we have to give God the glory. In a corrupt culture, we have to really put the focus on the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Capital G, capital L. We have to take it from the, the kings and the lords that we see here, the leaders, you know, lower, lowercase l, and make the focus God. That's what Daniel does. And when God makes a way, which he does, worship him. Notice what Daniel does. Daniel doesn't take the credit. He goes, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have any wisdom more than any of anybody else. It's been made so that you know. Right, let me just paraphrase what he goes on to say. He, it's been made known to me so that I can tell you so that you can see that the real God is the real God. You need to quit looking to all these magicians and sorcerers and recognize that this God, the God, the I am, Yahweh, is the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's funny, you know, as I was talking about Ariok, as he talked to the king, I have found the one. I have been searching for him ever since we talked. He hadn't been searching for Daniel. Daniel came to him. He took all the credit. 
But what does Daniel do? Think about, think about this for just a second, right? Like Daniel is before this tyrant who's ready to tear him limb from limb. What would you have done? I mean, we would have been shaking in our boots, peeing our pants. We'd been like, all right, here's the dream. What if he doesn't agree with God, what God told him what the dream is, right? Daniel, Daniel doesn't, I mean, for us, we'd want to go in there and be like, all right, man, you have all these magicians, you got all these sorcerers, you put me through this school, I'm a sophomore at the University of Babylon, and I'm about to lay it out for you, okay? This is the future, because I tell the future, I'm amazing, you should just recognize who I am right now, Daniel Belteshazzar, that's who I am, and, uh, and I'm the guy, right? Like, king, you have all these dudes, I'm the guy. That's not what Daniel does. He basically is like, I'm an idiot, man. I'm not, I'm not anybody or anybody else. This is just God showing you who he is. This is who God is. He downplays who he is and points the king to the, to the Lord of lords and the king of kings. We have to remind our culture who God is. We have to remind, we have to remind our leaders who God is. We have to pray for our leaders that they would get a dream like Nebuchadnezzar did. Think about this for a second. If God can give Nebuchadnezzar a dream and change him and show him who he is, he can do that. He could do it to Putin right now. Right? He could do it to Trump. He could do it to Biden. God can be God in any situation, to any leader, at any moment, at any time. It's amazing. We need to pray for our leaders that God would reveal himself. That we would see a revival break out. That this corrupt culture that is going further and further down would recognize their creator and see who he is. Daniel could have taken all the credit himself, set himself up to be one of the greatest sorcerers or magicians, but he didn't. He gave God all the props. Daniel trusted God with his life, his today, his tomorrow, because God had been faithful with his yesterday. And he saw who God was in his life. I cannot help but think that Daniel lived with the knowledge of and great understanding of God's faithfulness to his people throughout all of history. From the fall in the garden to the exodus, from slavery in Egypt to the reign of the kings, the institution of the prophets, God has proven himself faithful to Daniel and to you and me. Daniel didn't have all that we have. You know, he grew up studying and memorizing the first five books, the Pentateuch. And wow. What powerful stories of God's goodness and greatness did he have? And we have that, and then so much more. 61 other books that reveal the mysteries and power and supernatural working of our creator God. What do we believe about God? Daniel was, was just enveloped in the idea that God was all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and always faithful and good, no matter the situation. When life gets hard, don't forget God is faithful because he has been faithful. 
I love it when Daniel says in verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Daniel knows God and what he can do. This world can crash down around us. We can be abused, lied about, and made out to be the enemy. But we just have to remember who God is, what he has done, who he has proven himself to be. If we're going to thrive in a corrupt culture, our identity has to be found in him. It can't be our good works. It can't be our family name, our strengths or our weaknesses, what the world says about us or anything else. It has to be what God says about us. Think about that for Daniel. That was one of the first things they tried to attack when they brought these guys into exile, into Babylon. They, they attacked their identity. You're not Daniel anymore. You're Belteshazzar, right? And then they go into the school, the University of Babylon, to be brainwashed. They were attacking their identity. And here's the thing. The world today will try and change your name. They will call you all kinds of names. The world will try to indoctrinate you and try to make you think the way that they think. But we know the one true God who reveals mysteries and his Holy Spirit lives in you and me. And we have the truth that as we open his word and look into it, the Holy Spirit that lives into us brings to light the truths of his word and it changes us. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts down deep into us. It separates bone from marrow, it says. It is living, it's alive, and it's working in us to change us and to make us the people God has created us to be. Our culture is changing. Our world is changing quick. Are you ready? Are you ready, like Daniel, to thrive in a corrupt culture? steadied in God's word with faith because you know God, what he has done and what he has promised to do? Are you confident in who he is? And are you confident in who he says you are? To go through what Daniel went through, Daniel had to have a steadiness, an unwavering belief and trust, knowing God Trusting God and believing what God said about him. We are being challenged right now in a very similar way. We are being told what is right, good, virtuous, righteous. And a lot of what that is goes totally against what God's word said is, says is right true, just, and righteous. And when we come up against those things and speak out against those things and say, oh, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, that's not true. This is what God's word, this is what our creator says about that. And it's actually quite opposite of what you just said is righteous. In fact, what you just said is sinful. And what God's word says is Righteous, you say, is sin. They're calling sin righteousness, and they're calling righteousness sin. And when we step up and when we speak out, we're going to be called all kinds of things. 
right? We have been already. But do you know who you are? Do you know who God says you are? Are you steadied and and really in His Word? That's going to be the challenge. As you have all these voices coming at you as Daniel and and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did as they're at that school and they're talking to other magicians and sorcerers and they're saying, oh, you need to reach out to this demon God and you need to reach out to this demon God and oh, you're not Daniel and you're Belteshazzar, so you need to, you know, sacrifice babies and do all these other things and and then you're going to get the revelation you need so that you look good in front of the king and all these other things. No, Daniel knew God. He knew who he was. It was never going to change for Daniel. You can make him a eunuch. You could put him in slavery. You can try and make him eat food that he wasn't supposed to eat. You can try and do whatever you want. He was not going to move or change because he knew who God was and he knew who, he, who God said he was. This is a huge warning for us today. Do you know who you are? According to this, because that is so important. God has a name for you. He has a purpose for you. If you have questions about that, read Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. Go there. Read through the whole book of Ephesians. Great, great read. Daniel goes on to tell and interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This is where it gets really prophetic, okay? This is that futuristic telling, foretelling of the future that only God can do. So just fasten your seatbelts. It's about to get super crazy, okay? We're going to pick it up in verse 31. You saw, O king... And behold, a great image, this image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of its image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces." Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor, which would just, the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we, will, we tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, notice that's lowercase, king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, the glory, and and to whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom, inferior to you, shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. 
As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. All right, ready for this? Stay with me. Here we go. I want you to get this. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you have seen four great world kingdoms. These four kingdoms stretch from you, Nebuchadnezzar, to a stone that's cut out of a mountain and that comes and smashes them all and they are obliterated like chaff that's blown away, never to be seen. And this, the stone that's cut out of a mountain that's blown them all away becomes a mountain in of itself and it fills the entire earth. Here it is. The first kingdom is Babylon powerful, unified, one of the greatest kingdoms the world has ever known. That's the golden head. The second is the Medo-Persia established by Cyrus in 539 BC. That's before Christ. The weaker but still great kingdom. The third is Greece, established by Alexander the Great in 331 BC. That's the bronze and iron. The fourth is Rome, established in 63 B.C., the iron and the clay. What we have right here in a dream to a pagan tyrant king is the story of human history from Nebuchadnezzar to the smiting stone, which Jesus refers to in Luke 21, 24. He called it, Jesus called it, the times of the Gentiles or the times of the nations. It is a time when the nations dominate the land of Israel, Israel is set aside. The prophet Ezekiel in chapters 9 through 11 and in chapter 21 says Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory has departed from Israel. And he says Ichabod is written over the nation of Israel. They will be carried into Babylon and that will begin the times when the Gentiles rule in the land of Israel. And they're still under the oppression of the nations even now. This is still happening. Israel still is tentatively holding to a small portion of the original land God had given them. It stretched, God had given them land stretched from the north all the way down to the river of Egypt and from the sea all the way to the Tigris and Euphrates, way into where is Iran and past Iraq and Persia, all of that. They don't even have a smittance of what is theirs by what God had originally given them. And so there's still that oppression of the nation of Israel over the land until when the stone comes that no human hand can cut out and obliterates them all. Can you guess who that stone is? That's Jesus' second coming. Are you kidding me? We have, this is, now think about this. A pagan tyrant king gets a dream from God telling him hundreds of years into the future what's going to happen, what kingdoms are going to come up, what kingdoms are going to fall, and that prophecy is, has come true. We can look at it in human history and see it as true. 
Those four kingdoms have come and gone. But there's a part of that prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled yet, isn't there? There's another kingdom, a fifth kingdom coming. And then that's when Jesus comes to set up shop. And he's coming again. This is, I'm telling you, this is one of the most amazing things that we have about the Bible today. This is no ordinary book. There are at least 330 prophecies, more than 330 prophecies, explicitly made in the Old Testament regarding Jesus Christ many of which have already come to pass in his first coming, and the rest will come to pass in his second. Did you know that the Old Testament prophesied the dissolution of Babylon? It prophesied the destruction of Egypt, and it came. It prophesied the destruction of Tyre and Sidon, and it, two cities, and it came. It prophesied that a man named Cyrus would be born, and that he would let Israel go out of captivity. He was born, and he let them go. For me, this is one of the most powerful affirmations that God is real, that Jesus was God, that this book is no ordinary book, and you better get your life straight. Because there's a real God, a real creator God. And if that is true, if this book is supernatural, and it clearly is, then we have to recognize that Jesus was God. And what he did while he was here on earth reveals to us Father God, his love, his compassion, his mercy, as he walked with the lowest of the low, as he went to the the weakest of the weak and raised them up and revealed to them who he was. But we can't forget what he came to say, what his message was. Do you remember? Repent, turn from your sin, recognize God. Give your life to him. That was the message that Jesus came to preach. I'll say it. Turn from your sin. Recognize who he is. Because he is a true God and he's coming back. And it may be tomorrow. Or you could go see him tomorrow. God is God. And we have to, have to be in tight relationship. If we're going to thrive in a corrupt culture like Daniel did, there's no riding the fence on this, people. There's no halfway in it. It's all or nothing. He's either God or he's a crazy liar. And I'm telling you, as we study this prophetic word, he is God, capital G, King of kings, Lord of lords. He's shown us the four kingdoms that have come and would go, and his fifth kingdom is coming. We are four-fifths of the way there. This is amazing. Okay, where am I? I totally lost my place in my notes here. Okay, I've already preached all that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> God, I just went through the notes there without reading them. You know what? When we realize this truth, we should do the same thing Nebuchadnezzar does. Check out what he does, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel. Now we shouldn't pay homage to Daniel. We're going to pay homage to God. And commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, now get this, truly, Your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. You think he got the dream right? He sure did, didn't he? For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king, get this, 
Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. What? I'm just going to stop there. Going to tear him limb from limb? Made him a eunuch, put him in this, you know, school of brainwashing and everything else. You talk about going from lowest of low to highest of high. This is what God does. It's not always like this. Don't get me wrong. Like, but I, I think we should celebrate when God does miraculous, crazy things in our lives, right? We just got to recognize that. And, and Nebuchadnezzar gets it. He worships God. He, he doesn't know what he's doing, really. But he's saying, listen, I know that your God's the God. He's the one. Because that's what's just happened is amazing. And he makes Daniel basically his right-hand man. Then Daniel made a request of the king. And he appointed his boys, right? This is where I come, Ratchak and Benny, let's do this thing. He remembered his buddies and he says, appointed them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. Here's the last filling in your notes. In a corrupt culture, here's what, you gotta, this is good. You ready? Is it up there? Don't put it up yet. Oh, there it is. God is still God, right? It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter who's the mayor. It doesn't matter what pandemic's going on. It doesn't matter any of this stuff. God is God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's proven himself from the beginning of time and all throughout eternity will prove himself to be a good, gracious, kind, loving, just God. Do you believe in that? Do you believe in him? As we learn to trust God more and more, as our culture changes and presses in upon us, God will continue to be faithful and provide all that we need in the face of hostility. We could feel at times like God has left us, like Pastor Joe talked about last week. You know, if I were Daniel, I sure would have felt that way. Look at what he went through. From royalty to slave, from man to eunuch, from God's word to a state university, from Daniel to Belteshazzar. But even in the midst of all that, God reveals mysteries. Have you ever felt like God was so far away, you're going through something so hard, you didn't think you'd be able to survive it? And after you get out onto the other side, you look back and you realize that God was closer than he had ever been. It's in those times, those struggles, that God meets us in the muck and mire. And he reminds us who he is. Maybe you feel that way today. I want you to know that throughout all of human history, God has proven himself faithful, loving, kind and compassionate and just. He will never let you go. God is still God, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and always good. And we have to remember that statement in here, but God. But God may be the biggest but in the Bible. God gave the king this dream to show Nebuchadnezzar and the world and us today that he's not done yet. God still works in the midst of a corrupt culture. And I would say this, his works are even more profound in the midst of a corrupt culture. 
because culture is going so far against it. Get this. God takes demon-worshipping, murderous pagan kings, brings them to their knees in worship. Do you catch that? God takes demon-worshipping, murderous pagan tyrant kings and brings them to their knees in worship. That's the God we serve. Who shall we fear? No one. Because we serve the God of gods and King of kings. As I love this section, right? I think this is going to be a great study for us. Now, you may not, you know, you may not be given the opportunity to interpret a dream, but God is giving you an opportunity every day to speak up for Him. Tell your coworkers, your friends, your family members that don't know Christ. Tell them who He is. Tell them what God has done in your life. Tell him about the, the prophetic words that are in this that have come to pass already, proving who God is. We have to be like Daniel in this, this, these moments, looking for that opportunity, looking for that opportunity to go against the culture, to step up and to speak truth when lies are coming in. And we have to be willing to, to spell faith R-I-S-K risk. Remember who God is. Invite your buddies, your ladies to pray with you and seek God with you. Seek God and know that he'll be faithful. Amen? Are we going to be risk takers? Oh, come on. Are we going to be risk takers? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we recognize your greatness. We cannot read this chapter and not recognize who you are. We humbly surrender to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who knows our tomorrow, the one who knows our next year, the one who knows our next decade. You know when we're going to come to see you one day. You know all of it. So we humbly relinquish what we think we have as control. And we say, you, O God, are in control. Come and be God in our midst as we fall to our knees and worship you, the one true God. And I pray for everyone here and everyone online listening, watching online. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see those opportunities to take the risk, to step out in faith, to speak the truth in the darkness, to, that we would, we would be able to share the gospel with our neighbors and our friends that don't know you. For those right now that you're moving on their hearts to step out in faith and, and do the ministry you've called them to do, go on that missions trip and, and use the gifts that you've given them. God, I pray that you would just give them the courage right now to step out, take the risk in faith for your kingdom, for your glory, and for our good. We surrender to you. We say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.